Welcome to Straight and Curly, a podcast for self-improvement junkies. I'm Kelly Exeter. And I'm Carly Jacobs. This is episode 117. Hello and welcome to Straight and Curly. Um, I'm having a bit of a giggle because Kelly is still struggling with saying the episode number. She just screws it up every time with her, this is episode 117 because she second guesses herself as to whether or not she's going to say, this is episode 117. And then she thinks she's going to say that and then she screws it up. So then we have to start recording again. It's my favorite. It's, it happens every time we do it. It's so good. Oh, it's ridiculous. But anyway... Well, let's, let's just get straight into it, Carl. What is the review of this week? <laughs> we'll jump straight into the review of this week. It comes from Simple Life House Spouse. And she, I assume, says, my go-to podcast every week, which always lifts my mood hugely. I've binge listened to all the episodes a number of times and every single time I get something new from them and always get to have a pile of laugh out loud moments. Carly and Kelly are the friends you have over for a cuppa and I love to have them at my table at every opportunity, giving me my free dose of therapy. Love the podcast. Thanks, ladies. Ooh, well, Simple Life House Spouse, we would love to have a cuppa with you too because you sound lovely. Um, we, <laughs> we also love the idea of being free therapy and I do sometimes feel like I'm getting free therapy myself when I download on Carly before recording um, <laughs> or on you guys while recording. So, um, yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one. And um, speaking of free therapy, Carly's random thing of the week is also like therapy for me because it always gives me a laugh and I always laugh at it when I'm out running and people always give me the biggest smiles like <laughs> when I'm out running. Like they must be like, wow, she's having the time of her life. And I'm like, no, I'm just laughing at Carly's random thing of the week. So no pressure, Carl's, as always. <laughs> What's this week's one? Mm-hmm. My random thing of the week this week was uh, when I was in high school, I remember talking to my friends about the show Fraggle Rock. So I don't know if you guys know about Fraggle Rock. It's a uh, Jim Henson. Uh, he's the creator of uh, Sesame Street. And he had another show called Fraggle Rock, but it wasn't like no one really knew much about it and it was a little bit underground. It was very strange. Um, and it was basically about these little creatures called Fraggles and they lived underground and they had these little dozers, these little like – characters that used to build food for them and there was like a talking rubbish heap and then there was a guy that lived like he he owned where the fraggles lived it was very very weird and I can remember watching this when I was really little and then I hadn't seen it in years and years and back then you couldn't just google things because (laughs) you just have to like have a conversation with someone to see if someone remembered it and I remember bringing it up at school one day and everyone was going we have literally no idea what you're talking about and I'm going you know fraggle rock like with the dozers and the gawks and the dog called sprocket and everyone's just going seriously Carly that was not a show you have no idea what you're talking about so I think it was for about six or seven years that I thought I had invented that show in my head because every time I spoke to someone about it no one knew about it and um, it wasn't until I made friends with an older group of kids that knew what it was so I think I was just watching it a little bit before my time so yeah for six years I thought I invented the show Fraggle Rock (laughs) well for the record I do remember Fraggle Rock and there you go. The Fraggle Rock song. Is it Dan Fraggle Dan Rock? Fraggle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually remember there's a rude version of that song, and that is really the only version that I actually know. Do you know the rude version? <laughs> no, I haven't no. heard the okay, rude yeah, version. Don't, let's not go there. Because, um, <laughs> yeah, as soon as we went, Dan Fraggle Rock. 
the root version popped into my head and I'm like, well, I can't sing that one, can I? But anyway, um, I don't really remember anything about Fraggle Rock other than the song and the root version. So there you go. Um, Onwards to recommendation of the week. Uh, And someone recently asked me what the biodegradable pods I use in my Nespresso machine are. And I can't actually believe I've never actually mentioned them on this show. Um, I get them from Coles and they are the Republica brand. And they proudly proclaim on the box that they take as long as an orange peel to break down. And then when you do some deeper reading, you find out that it takes orange peels 700 days to break down. (laughs) (laughs) But... 700 days is heaps heaps less time than never. So yes, I really, really love the Republica brand of coffee pods, not just because they do actually break down, but also because the Rome pods, which are an intensity of 12, so they're presumably for people who kind of really like their coffee strong. But those ones are like hands down, no contest, my favorite um, pod coffee ever like none of the Nespresso pods have ever come close so not only are they good for the environment it is very good coffee as well so there you go that is my recommendation of the week can I tell you something incredibly random I actually used to work for Republica <gasps> there you go <laughs> they're really really great I used to do their social media like a couple uh, of years ago but I, I still drink their coffee I'm addicted to their decaf coffee uh, at the moment which is really really good because obviously I'm pregnant and need to cut down on my caffeine and my child is definitely uh her father's daughter because she's like hey what about some coffee just like all the time so I've just had to cut her off at the source but I've been having their decaf which is awesome uh, so I'm always yeah, looking I, for I, a good decaf that's good that's a good tip yeah, I fully support um, Republica. Uh, yeah, so my recommendation of the week is the silicone, the silicon iPhone case. Like this is a really random one, <laughs> but it's like it's the proper Apple branded one. And I bought that kind of like nudie color one to match my watch band. And it is so great because it just it's like Teflon. It just repels dust and dirt and grime and if it's looking a little bit grotty I just like rub it on my pants and then it just looks good as new again and I'm also really grotty with my phone I have it in the kitchen to read recipes on and it just always ends up covered in gunk and I've stained it with turmeric several times and then you just like scrub it off with an alcohol wipe and it's fine so I just yeah just things like that where something I've had for ages that I stare at all the time that and it's also the type of thing that once it gets really gross once you've iPhone case gets really gross it kind of bums you out a lot Mm. does that happen to anyone else where they're like oh my iphone case is the worst i'm looking at my own iphone case right now which is also silicon and also doing a great job but looking a little bit yeah old (laughs) yeah see there you go like mine's totally fine there's a teeny crack in it where i dropped it but i mean apart from that it's great so yeah the actual the apple branded silicon iphone cases are awesome yeah uh so let's move on to if you were our best friend this one comes from fran and she says i'm happily married and have recently been spending a lot of time with a man who i'm working with though i don't have feelings for him i find myself thinking about our conversations a lot and realize this could be a slippery slope i found a bunch of information on emotional affairs but that didn't resonate with me because that's what I'm trying to avoid. My question would be, how do I distance myself from work colleagues that I could see myself becoming attracted to or avoid getting into something that could be dangerous to my marriage? 
I think this is a super interesting one. When that one came through, I was like, oh, this is actually a really cool thing to discuss because I think it's something that happens to a lot of people, um, particularly when you are in a working environment, when you're away from your spouse a lot of the time, you end up spending more time, particularly mm. if you've got kids, you end mm-hmm. up spending more time with your the people you work with than your own family because by the time you get home, you're wrangling kids and you get like an hour to spend together before you go to sleep at 8.30, don't you, Kelly? Um, <laughs> and so I think it's I think it's a big problem that a lot of people have. And I, first of all, just want to commend you because I think it's incredibly mature of you to see what might happen if you continue down this path. So I think this is a very uh, forward-thinking self-aware kind of self-aware approach to this. So I I really, really think that that's excellent of you, Fran. Um, So many people would just get lost in the thrill of harmless flirting and accidentally let it turn into something bigger. So um, these are a few things that I recommend. Never, ever send any texts or emails to this guy that you'd be worried about your husband seeing. So always imagine when you're going to send any correspondence to him, imagine your husband reading it over your shoulder. And if there's anything in there that you don't want him to see or that you think he would think is inappropriate or would upset him in any way, don't send it. Um, If you must see this guy outside of work, always make sure it's in a group. Also, if this guy is fulfilling a need for you, and even though you're not attracted to him, it sounds like he's fulfilling something for you, try to figure out what this is and find an alternative way to fulfill that need. I once read about a woman who managed to cure herself of her incessant need to flirt. (laughs) Like she was just constantly, it was like one of those, you know, like Cosmo magazine articles. She would just flirt with everyone all the time, just constantly. (laughs) Um, And what she figured out was that she just needed to feel desired. So she started going to salsa dancing classes and it was a harmless way of getting that attention that she required. Personally, I do think that if you need that kind of attention, you might need some therapy and salsa (laughs) might not be the best way to go about it, but that's by the by. But the point is, is that she found a a different outlet for that particular attention that she needed without pissing off all of her friends by flirting with their husbands. Um, I also think it's important to actively pursue other friendships at work to take the pressure off your interactions with this guy. So if he, it sounds to me like he's a bright spot in your day, um, which doesn't necessarily mean that you um, will become more attracted to him, but it sounds like you look forward to seeing him every day. So it's natural that you might start to have feelings for him. So try to water that down with Stuff from other people. Yeah. (laughs) With with some other people from work and, and maybe stop relying on him to be your, to, you know, get your jollies on at work. Yeah. Um, I thought this was super tricky too. Um, first of all, it's good that you don't have feelings for him as that would be even more super tricky, but I do like the boundaries Carly has mentioned. I think they're very sensible. Uh, I also think if you keep the interactions, firmly in the friend zone. So definitely nothing that could be misconstrued as flirting. And then just try not to overthink things, which is, yes, I know hilarious advice coming from, you know, a world champion overthinker like me. But I do think if you just, yeah, do keep things in that friend zone, you should be okay. Um, As Carly mentioned, this guy might be fulfilling a need for you without realizing. So, you know, he might just be someone like the one person you can talk about work with in an informed fashion who like just gets it um and I think you know I think it'd be nice if he could continue to be your friend and fulfill that need without things tipping into you know tipping over into something more than friendship and look I I think it can be done um 
I think you do, yeah. I think you you taking the first step in being self-aware and I think if you just monitor your own behaviour and just don't let things tip over. And I think we all, I don't know, Carl, do you find it hard to keep things in the friend zone? Oh, it's probably a really highly personal question, but... <laughs> no, it's not. Like I, I actually just haven't. Like I, I, I responded to this in that episode that we did where that guy came on to me and I shouted at him. I was like, "I've got a boyfriend!" Like I'm just so closed off to other people yeah. romantically. It's just it's not a consideration for me. And if um if I find because if I find that somebody is interested in me in a romantic way, I get quite freaked out because I just don't. Feel have those type of feelings for anybody except for Ben. Yeah. Um, and actually just like the thought of being with someone that's not him kind of makes me want to throw up a bit. So <laughs> it's, yeah. So no, definitely not. I don't have, I have those. that problem. Yeah. I, I have no. to admit back in the day, I was a bit of a pretty bad flirt and I kind oh, of in Kelly. my head, I was like, these guys know I have a boyfriend. So they know that you know, any attention I'm giving them is harmless. And I, it took one of my friends to say to me, um, no, you're actually giving them the really wrong idea. And no, just because you have a boyfriend doesn't mean they automatically know there's no interest there. And I had, so I was like, oh, okay. And so I had to learn to uh, dial that back and just operate in the friend zone and not engage in what I thought was harmless flirting. So I think, I think there's definitely a line and it's an easy line to stay on the right side of as long as there's awareness around it. So, yeah. See, in terms of flirting, just to reiterate, I actually flirt with everyone. So that's, <laughs> I think that's a difference, but I flirt with like men, women, trees. Like I just, I. <laughs> dogs, like random, like floppy haired dogs walking down the street. <laughs> I, to- I totally flirt with dogs. I'm terrible. I flirt with babies. Like, I mean, I know that sounds gross, but like if babies bat their eyelashes at me, I'm like, oh, stop I it. I am yours. Like, <laughs> totally. That's the thing. But like, I think that that, that kind of, when you have no boundaries, yeah, it yeah. kind of, like, like no one thinks that I'm into them because I'm into everyone. Yeah. I think that that's a, a good distinction. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think it's Fran it will be easy to keep things on the, you know, keep the friendship without it tipping over as long as, yeah, you're aware. And who knows, you may have to have a conversation one day, but, you know, save that. Because you want to, you won't. Yes, that's right. You're aware. You're not just going to turn around and be like, oh, now I'm in love with you because you're actively trying to not make that happen. So you're already on the right path. Yes, cool. And it's just such a great lead into the topic of the day, setting strong boundaries. Um, So this is actually something that comes up in the Facebook group time and time again usually when someone has shared a problem the answer is often you need to set better boundaries around that thing Um, and it's such a key component of self-care and even self-improvement because if you have no boundaries you have no time for self-improvement or looking after yourself or doing the things that make you happy and you know content and lead a fulfilled life so I can't believe we have not spoken about boundaries before now. And so I know that is why we thought we would do an entire show around it. Um, And we've kind of split it up into a few, the different kinds of boundaries that you can set. So the first of those is time boundaries. So Carl's. 
So I think in order to maintain good time boundaries, you need to give an end time. So if someone wants your help moving house and you can't spend all day doing it, say I'm available from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Let me know what I can do in that time frame. I also do this with clients. So there's a thing that happens when you've been working someone for a while and generally when you're a freelancer, I call it scope creep where clients just start adding extra things for you to get done in the day. It happens, it it generally happens with most clients eventually Mm. because it just sort of ends up being that way. But you you need to put those boundaries in place and make sure that they know how much time it takes to complete a task. You can actually Google how long it takes to do stuff. So you can Google how long it takes to write a thousand words or edit a one hour podcast or edit a thousand words. So if you have a client or your boss who says, hey, Carly or whatever, can you edit seven episodes of my podcast today? Even if they give you a clean file, listening and adding intros and outros and uploading that podcast will probably take a minimum of about two hours for a one hour episode. So you can take that info and say, look, it takes two hours per episode. So I can do three episodes over six hours today. People cannot argue with numbers. So give them data and give them an end point of when you need to leave. So that works professionally and personally. Yeah, I totally agree. It's so funny because um. You wrote your answer in our notes before I got there, and um, and I read your answer and went, "Yeah, that's cool. I don't really have anything to add to that." And then I just started <laughs> writing, and then went on this big rant. So, um, <laughs> prepare for a large monologue from me, team. Um, so yes, as I said, I agree with everything Carly has said, and I think if you feel rude giving people these kinds of boundaries look at it this way. You are giving them the gift of certainty. So for example, in my early graphic design days, like scope creep was a constant thing for me. You know, I would consistently quote a client for something. And then when they asked me for more, I just do it for the quoted price. And then, you know, eventually I'd get so sick of always doing more for less. So, you know, it would build up over time and then I'd get sick of doing more for less. So then I just whack them out of the blue for the extra work, you know, in the latest job, you know, when I'd built up an expectation that I'd, you know, do all these little extras they'd ask for, for the quoted price. So that's not really a cool way to approach being a business owner or a freelancer. Um, So now I'm a bit more straight up and I'll either say, look, what you've just asked for is outside of the scope of what I've quoted and it will cost you know, X dollars to add to the scope um, or add to the quote, or I'm going to include it but I'll still highlight that it's out of scope, but I'm including it anyway. And, you know, and then I'll kind of give them the heads up that any other extra requests will be quoted at my hourly rate. And, you know, um, when you're helping someone, and this one came up in the group quite recently where someone was just, yeah, I don't want to make judgments, but she was really being taken advantage of by her friend and not necessarily in a malicious way, but I think the friend just had no idea that what she was asking was just a bit too much. So pretty much all the advice from the group centered around giving really firm boundaries to the time of help being offered. So, you know, so this girl's friend was like, expecting to be able to come over and spend like basically a whole weekend at her house. Yeah, that that was crazy. Yeah, and we were all like dying going, oh my, in amongst all her family commitments and stuff. Um, And so everyone said, look, it's great that you're such a good friend and it's great that you've offered to help, but she can't just kind of come and hang out at your house all weekend and be there. Like, you know, so, you know, all our advice was say to her, you can come between 1 p.m., 
and 3 p.m. and I'll help you during that time. But at 3 p.m. I need to go and do X. Um, and I think it's important to set these kind of boundaries because there are a lot of people out there who are, it's the, it's the very go with the flow types who have no real concept of time. And we've That's all- That's exactly yeah. who it is. It's always those yeah. people. Yeah, and you know what? They're not- they're not absolute, they're not malicious people. It's just time is a really fluid thing for them. And they literally have no concept that their expectation of spending like however long it takes on something is really unreasonable. And those people just need to be given the boundaries. And once they're given them, they can work within them. But if you don't give them boundaries, they'll take up your whole day. And like I said, not in a malicious way. It's just because they just have no concept. Um, Another quick area I want to mention with regard to time boundaries is with kids. So I don't know about other parents, but I got in the habit of getting, if my kids asked for something, I would do it straight away just so I could get back to whatever else I was doing quickly. Um, And this kind of set an expectation with my kids that whenever they asked for something, I would do it straight away, which, you know, of course, built up over time and got me really angry and frustrated. So kind of now, even if I can do something for them straight away I tend to say yep I can do that for you but you're gonna have to wait five minutes or you're gonna have to wait till I've done this thing so um yeah kind of with time boundary setting I feel it's all about expectation management and creating expectations you can actually deliver on without feeling resentful and taken advantage of so just remember there's a difference between what you can deliver on and what you can deliver on without hating the whole world. So, um, you know, and for those who don't like the adage, no is a complete sentence because that one always comes up with regard to boundary setting. Like just say no and you don't have to give a reason. Just say no, it's a complete sentence. Like I can't do that. I don't I really do know either. anybody who can do that. So try this one. Explain, but don't over-explain. Okay. So as an example, I call my five-year-old daughter Captain Loophole because she, <laughs> she wants a detailed explanation for every decision I make and every boundary I try to set because she can remember every single situation where that boundary was relaxed and she will raise it. Like, you know, this one time, you know, you said this, <laughs> but you actually did that and it, like it drives, so she's going to be a great lawyer one day, but right now parenting. She's a rebel, yeah. Oh, yeah. Max, like but maximum. I reckon is a secondary questioner. Oh, totally. So that's it. Like, Ant is a questioner who tips to rebel. Mia is a rebel who tips to questioner. It, both of them no. are horrible combinations just quietly for an upholder. Um, but, you know, a, a bound, and this is a crucial boundary. Like, I have to keep reminding myself that I'm the mother and she's the child and I don't actually have to explain my reasoning behind every single decision that I make. Like I like to. Um, let my kids know why I've, you know, made a decision. I don't like being dictatorial, but at some stage there's a line in the sand where it's like, you know what, I'm your parent. I get to make these decisions <laughs> yeah, without having to explain it to you and then get, you know, involved in a 10-minute discourse about the one time that I didn't do it that way. So anyway, rant over. Let's talk about <laughs> emotional boundaries, Carl. <laughs> um, so I've got some thoughts around emotional boundaries. Firstly, you don't have to be everything to everyone and you don't have the strength for that. Certainly be kind and helpful whenever you can, but you don't have to be a sounding board for the new guy at work who wants to lament about his broken down marriage to you for a full hour every lunchtime. It's important to choose 
the people who are worth spending your emotional energy on, like your best friends, partners, family, and only give what you have left to people outside of that circle. Um, There's a few tips I have for how to tell if you're giving your energy to the wrong people. Personally, like I, I'm actually the queen of boundaries. I'm very, very <laughs> good at say, them. Like, Carly, you know, basically wrote a book on this. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I'm very much really don't have time for you. Sorry. Like I, like it's not in a mean way, but I'm very, very picky about who I give my emotional energy to. Um, and personally, I find I don't resent giving my emotional energy to the people who deserve it or have earned it. So if you're working through a problem with someone, rank yourself on a scale of one to 10 to how much you're resenting working through this problem. <laughs> so if you're thinking, I love this person and I want them to stop hurting, that's a one. So that's my best friend. Like if, if she's got a problem or a, any of my close friends, if they've got a problem, I like enjoy is the wrong word, but I, I like you being there for the them. You welcome the opportunity to help them. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if it's like some random person that I've never met before and what, if what you're thinking is, oh God, we've had this conversation 10 times already, you need therapy. That's a 10 and that's not the person that you should be giving that energy to. The thing is, is that, and you could feel bad about that and think, well, you know, this person really needs to work through this problem. But the thing is, is that they probably have someone who's a one for them and vice versa. So it's just all about finding working within the people who score a one and <laughs> leaving the tens to leaving, go find their own <laughs> one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, my favorite one is to be less available. So don't answer the phone. Don't respond to the text message straight away. No one has to be immediately available to anyone ever. Definitely respond and be kind in your response. But if you pick up the phone every single time someone calls, you're setting yourself up for being their emergency person. And if you don't want to be that emergency person, you need to make yourself less available. Yes. Um, I'm the opposite of Carly. Um, <laughs> and I strive to be more like Carly in this regard. So like emotional boundaries is something I struggled with for a really, really long time because I'm both very empathetic and, um, but I'm also a helper. So my empathy means I find it very easy to put myself in someone else's shoes. And when I'm in someone else's shoes, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a huge problem. And now it's my problem. And that's stupid way to go about things, guys. Don't do that. Um, But also the helper means I immediately think, okay, how can I fix this for this person? Um, Because, you know, if it was me, I want it fixed, right? Um, So first of all, people don't always want you to fix the situation is what I've discovered over 40 years of life. Um, More often than not, they just want you to listen to them. Second of all, if you're constantly trying to fix other people's problems, that's going to come at a huge cost. And the people who are paying that price are the people closest to you. So it's not usually you paying the price. It's usually the people closest to you paying the price. Um, And because, you know, in picking up the emotional baggage of other people, you become emotionally unavailable to the people who kind of take it. And that's the people closest to you. And that's just not fair. Um, As Kylie mentioned, you have to watch and protect your energy levels. So if someone is constantly draining your energy, just start being a little less responsive to them. If you're having the same conversation with someone over and over and they've not changed anything, gently suggest they might need another, you know, another perspective might help like a therapist. Um, And just kind of, you know, everything is in how you say it, of course. So just say, you know, it's just like, I feel like, you know, we've had this conversation many times before and I have not been able to 
you know, help you with it in any way. Maybe you need an outside person's point of view now. So that's, um, but yeah, as you can see, my advice on setting strong emotional boundaries is very short because I'm very bad (laughs) at it. (laughs) Um, But the next topic we want to talk about is respecting other people's boundaries. So Carl. And this I think also ties into helping people protect their own energy because if we are all more respectful of other people's boundaries then Mm. in turn that means other people will be more respective of our boundaries and it also empowers like the more the better boundaries we set and the better we're respectful of other people's boundaries it more it empowers like you let's say you in setting strong boundaries empower me who's very bad at it to set better boundaries so it kind of like it's 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 got a nice ripple effect if that makes any sense it does definitely. And I know that the people in my life that adhere to my boundaries, cause I've said this before with things like health. Um, I won't skip the gym to meet someone at the pub earlier. Um, so that's something that I just, I haven't done in ages. I'll be like, no, we arrange six 30. That's when I'll be there. And if you know, my friend who wants to meet me at the pub, which I haven't been to the pub in a very long time, <laughs> let's just, this is like, this is old Carly. Um, my friend would just have to sit at the pub and wait for me to finish because, you know, that's, that's a a thing that I set for myself and I'm not going to waver on that. And um, yeah, I think that has a, it does have a good effect on other people seeing that I put those boundaries in place and encourages them to put those boundaries in place also. Um, I feel like this whole segment is quite similar to consent. And it reminded me of that amazing cartoon that someone wrote. Um, I'll I'll see if I can find Mm. it and put it in the group. If someone could remind me, that would be great. Um, Oh, actually that just totally reminded me. I told people last episode to look up slow Loris being tickled. Please don't do that. I had absolutely no idea, but apparently the slow Loris in that video is not happy and he has like poison glands (gasps) under his arm and he's like defending himself. And I I am horrified and I had no idea. So apparently any of those cute videos of slow lorises being tickled, they're very, very bad. Don't support them. Don't look them up. But do look up pictures of slow lorises because they're very, very cute. But, um, yeah, just not any of the videos of them being like, yeah. But to be fair, like the Loris, the slow Loris does look like there was a lovely lady in the group whose name I can't remember, but she pointed it out to me and I'm just horrified. So no support of um, any of those videos. You, you can read about it on Snopes actually, because Snopes is a is a, um, a website that I trust a lot because a lot of this stuff kind of pops up and you're never sure how true yeah. it is, but Snopes does all of the research behind it to make sure that it is actually true. So you can read about it on Snopes. I mean, it's not its not like they're torturing the slow loris or anything and they didn't know that it, it was – he was – like this was a defence mechanism thing. But, yeah, so public apology for that <laughs> just while I'm thinking about it. If, if anyone hadn't noticed, Carly's completely, completely freaked out. <laughs> oh, my God, completely. I was just like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to throw up. Um, but because just any time I recommend something, I'm like, remind me to put that in the group. And then I'm like, oh, God, this one's very safe, though. This, so one's, very this, safe. One's, this one's very safe and tried and tested, yes. <laughs> yes. So this one's excellent. It's an amazing cartoon that someone wrote about uh, likening – having sex with someone to making someone a cup of tea. So it's along, it's along the lines of, um, you know, if, if someone, if you're having sex with someone and that person asks you to stop, you should stop. And, there's, you know, a whole gamut of people, mainly men that pretend like this concept is very confusing. And this person says, just imagine like it's a cup of tea. If someone asks you for a cup of tea and while you're making it, they say they don't want the tea anymore. You're not going to keep making the tea and then pour it down their throat. You're going to stop (laughs) making the tea. Or, you know, if they start sipping the tea and then decide they don't want to finish the cup, 
then you're not going to force them to drink the rest, are you? Exactly. If they fall asleep before they've had a chance to drink the cup of tea, you're not going to pour it in their mouth. Like it's just, it's so obvious and such a wonderful thing. So I think that this is the same with social cues around other people's boundaries. So for example, about 10 years ago, I met a rad photographer through a job I was on a writer. I was a writer on and we got along really well. So we used to have to do restaurant reviews together and she'd take these photos and I'd write the review and we always had a blast. And then when the company folded, we were like, let's keep hanging out. So I texted her a few times and she always responded like in a really friendly way, but you know, she was busy and we'd catch up soon. And then after I texted a few times and she didn't reciprocate, I took the social cue that she wasn't too keen to pursue the friendship. And I didn't think I'd done anything or that she didn't want to hang out with me. I was just like, you know what, you're in a place where you don't really have room for another person in your life. And that's totally fine. So what did I do? I stopped texting her. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think like I took the social cue and I didn't like cry myself to sleep over it. I was like, ah, cool. Like that's, this is not a thing that's going to keep happening. So I think it's really important to, when someone says they don't have time, believe them, don't question them. Um, If you call someone and they don't answer, don't call them five more times in a row. Um, If you're having a conversation with someone and you notice they haven't said anything for about 45 minutes, ask them a question (laughs) and let them speak. Um, Yeah. So to me, yeah, the whole um, respecting other people's, understanding and respecting other people's boundaries is picking up on what other people are putting down. So, um, and also the better that you become at setting your own boundaries, the better you will be able to notice when uh, where other people's boundaries are and be respectful of them. Um, I think another key thing here is to try and not judge other people's boundaries. Like you know, say the you know the mum who flat out refuses to put up her hand to help with school committees or bake sales or whatever. Like it's very easy to judge those people, but you've just got no idea what's going on in the rest of their life. So if someone's got a really super strong boundary around something. Um, be respectful of that. Be respectful of it without judging it or questioning it um, because I'm sure that they've got other areas where their boundaries are a bit more relaxed. So, yeah, that's my main one is try not to judge. I have done that before, been very judgy about other people's boundaries and then found out later on why they had such strong boundaries around those things. And, um, yeah, I, I discovered that it's very important just to – Respect them without judging them. So I like that one. Um, so the final one in under this topic is behavioral boundaries. And when I say behavioral boundaries, I mean that the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. So it's very, very easy to despair about all the outrage and the hate and the bad stuff that's going on out there in the world at the moment and to think that we're very powerless to stop it. But we are not powerless at all we have a huge influence on the people you know around us that we hang out with and interact with on a day-to-day basis and I just feel that if we all got in the habit and you know pick your time and place you don't want to be that person who calls like literally everything out but if we all called each other out gently and respectfully when we use language that is kind of more disparaging than it needs to be. Again, I feel like we can start quite a nice ripple effect. Um, So an example, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to think like, oh, you know, this person didn't need to call you out, Kelly. But an example in the Facebook group recently is I mentioned how I'd finally found my way to having a skin cancer check after three years of not managing to do so. 
Um, and someone asked me where I'd got it done and whether a GP was a good place to do it. And, you know, I'll be frank, I was a bit offhand in dismissing GPs as, you know, not having the right training to find and diagnose skin cancers. And a GP in the group called me out and she did it very, very respectfully and nicely. And she just said, you know, while many GPs don't have the right training or equipment, many do. And um, yeah, and so I just acknowledged that, yeah, it wasn't fair of me to be so dismissive of GPs out of, you know, because I did just kind of dismiss them out of hand um, and that I could have, yeah, phrased my feedback better and I will do it in the future. So, you know, it's a really small thing, but I wish I could remember what this person's name was, but, you know, her calling me out was just a really gentle reminder to myself to not be offhandedly dismissive because it's something I can do. And it's just going to be a tiny adjustment in behavior that I make down the track, but it's a tiny adjustment that, you know, is makes every, you know, makes my interactions with people better. So I just feel that if we're all gently gentle and respectful about calling each other out and we do it in a fairly safe space, and I'm glad this person felt safe enough to do that in the group, um, I just think exactly like my slow Loris girl who pointed that out to me. She did that very respectfully. It was really, very good. So back to behavioral boundaries. Um, Another, I've I've mentioned this previously on the show, another kind of behavioral boundary I'm big on calling out, or maybe it's not behavioral, but is gendered statements. Um, Like anything that's like, don't like, act like a girl or any suggestion that this is a boy thing only or a girl thing only. Um, You know, obviously I pick my battles, but this is the hill I'm willing to die on and we all have to have one hill we're willing to die on. And I think those gendered messages are very damaging and they get laid down very early inside our homes. And so I feel if I don't challenge them within my home, then I'm kind of leaving it to social norms to determine how my kids think. So yeah, that's, you know, I think we all have our thing that we will call out and I just think we should all continue doing it, but obviously in a very respectful way. Carlos, is there a is there a hill that you tend to die on? Look, it's the same actually with um, with you because at the moment I'm really trying hard to fight the gender stereotype battles because one of my close mates is having um, a boy at the same time that I'm having my girl and it's just causing both of us daily angst with people <laughs> saying things like, oh, mustard is a great color for a boy or we have a girlier pattern in those tops for girls. Like it's just completely driving us nuts and no matter how many times we reiterate that like I I've basically put a ban on pink for my <laughs> and girl. This is what we end up doing. Like I kind of put a ban on pink as a like as a reaction to the whole girl boy thing. But my daughter loves pink. It's all she wants yeah. to wear. And I had to in the end go. Hang on a minute. She just loves pink. I have to let her wear it. I can't keep getting in the way. So I'm prepared for my daughter to love pink, but I'm not going to set her up for loving yes. it. Like I don't, I don't want to uh, be, you know, putting her in frilly little dresses and things. Like if, if she ends up enjoying that kind of stuff, that's fine. But it's not in exactly the same way that my friend isn't going to put her little boy in, you know, little tops that have soccer balls and footballs and things on yeah. them. Like it's, it just seems so weird to do that. Like when you think about putting a little girl in a top that has a soccer ball on it, it like, I don't watch soccer. I don't play soccer. Like, why would I do that? That just seems so weird. Yeah, like, that's true, that you've been, isn't it? 
but you encourage boys to do boy things and girls to do girl things. I'm just, I'm just going to let her be and let her do her thing, but it's really hard. And um, I'm finding intergenerationally it's um, uh, yeah. quite difficult. <laughs> um, yes. So yeah, that's, that's presenting a few issues, but um, yeah, so that's, that's definitely uh, a thing I'm going to be battling for a long time, I think. And I, I suspect there's going to be some people who aren't ever going to be fully on board with it, but yeah, stuff them. Yes, that would be parents uh, experiencing yes. the same myself. But, you know, you can only control it. But, uh, yeah, I guess, like, the final word on boundaries is, you know, start start in your own home and set strong boundaries in your own home and teach your kids about setting strong boundaries as well. Um, there was a really uh, interesting thing on Facebook the other day where a girl shared how her mum always made it very clear that if ever she was out at someone's oh, house. I saw that. And – and she felt uncomfortable or she wanted to go home, she should never feel like she should keep quiet and not make a fuss. Like she was feeling uncomfortable. Her mum set the boundary of you can call me anywhere, anytime. I will come and get you. No questions asked. And that just gave her scope to feel uncomfortable and remove herself from uncomfortable situations. And of course, there's a whole wider thing of that of our kids need to be able to deal with uncomfortable situations sometimes and yes but that's a separate thing um so yeah I think the boundaries that we set within our own homes with our loved one and with our kids and with our partners are really important and underlie the but you know all the boundaries that kind of go out from there and I do really believe strongly in the ripple effects of if you set strong boundaries as a person, you empower the people around you to do the same and then it, you know, it works well for everybody. Um, yes, so that's the topic for the day. Um, going on now to kicked ass. Carls, what did you kick ass at this week? Um, so a sponsored post of mine recently delivered eight times my usual Whoa. benchmark, Whoa. which <laughs> I know it was completely, I, I was like, what is going on? And, um, I, I spent a lot of time researching good SEO practice and techniques, uh, because these guys are a dream client. I just really love working with them and they, they just really get the blogging space and they're really easy to work with and they don't try to put words in my mouth and they understand, you know, the, the value of me delivering the content that I always deliver and they've been really excellent. So, um, I went really above and beyond for this post and I just totally nailed it. And it was just really nice that when I, you know, working hard at this and using all of these SEO practices and seeing them actually work was really brilliant. And now I get to deliver this just amazing report from this client that I worked with. And so, yeah, I was just really proud of that. It was really cool. Oh man, that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, my thing that I kicked ass at is I'm loving how strong I'm feeling from doing F45. So I've been yes. going. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. I mean, I've, I've experienced this feeling before when I was doing CrossFit, but then I fell off the CrossFit bandwagon. Um, but yeah, I've been going to cross, uh, F45 for six weeks now. And last week, you know, I was just running around with my kids outside and, you know, I think we were playing basketball or something. And normally when I do that, I'm quite, you know, a bit all creaky and sore and feeling like my knees are going to give away any second. Um, But this time I noticed kind of like I felt strong and like I had really good energy and yeah, it was just a very nice feeling. And yeah, so there you go. F45, give it a go. Um, And hey, F45, sponsor our show, you know. (laughs) because <laughs> we're talking about you every episode now um and what about kicked your ass carl 
Um, so I had a weird blood pressure scare a couple of weeks ago that was a little bit scary because my blood pressure went up, but it totally sorted itself out and it went back down again and it's totally fine. But uh, I figured out that my stress levels affect my blood pressure in quite a major way. Um, so, which was the high reading on that very high stress day. And it wasn't even a high reading. It was just high for me because I generally have very good blood pressure. Um, so I'm trying very hard to not get ranty and stressed about things, which kind of sucks because I really love getting ranty and shouty about things. But, uh, yeah, just this added pressure of growing a human and trying not to do anything to hurt her. And I've been so vigilant and careful and I hate the thought that like a heated conversation or a bad week could affect her. But, um, yeah, so that's just, that just sort of added a whole extra, sort of layer of, of, of pressure. And I just, I'm feeling very protective of, of my girl and I'm just trying very hard to yeah keep my stress levels down, which is, which is very hard because when you're pregnant, people say things to you all the time <laughs> and a lot of it isn't great. So I'm trying really hard to not get angry every time someone says anything to me about being pregnant ever, because people can be real dicks. Like <laughs> most days someone says something dicky to me and I'm just like, really, did you really just say that? Um, so I'm, I'm doing, Zen medi- Carly. Come on, Zen Carly. I'm trying, I'm trying very hard. So I'm just, I'm doing my meditation and I'm trying to not let things get to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, my kicked our ass going to sound a bit lame now, but anyway, um, <clears throat> Anyone who follows Australia's football, which is AFL in Australia, will feel my pain. Uh, I live in a city where there are two AFL teams and I go for one and my husband goes for the other. And the fans of my husband's team are super obnoxious. Like it's, <laughs> it's acknowledged countrywide that, yes, West Coast Eagle fans, if you, any of you are listening, I'm sorry, but you guys are super obnoxious because um, they've had heaps of success over the years and my team has had pretty much no success. Like we've made one grand final. We've won no premierships. Um, and anyway, my husband's team won the freaking premiership last week, and which is like the equivalent, the American equivalent of winning the Super Bowl. And now I have to live with him and all the obnoxious Eagles oh, fans no. in this city for like the whole next year. And it's quite painful. So yes, that's kicking my ass at the moment. And I did joke on Facebook that I was going to move to Melbourne for the next year. And lots of people said that they would come with me, <laughs> all the Dockers fans. Um, yes. So that's what kicked my ass. So Carl, it's time to wrap up. Uh, yeah, so that just about wraps up our show for today. Don't forget we do have a Patreon page. Uh, we've got a couple of goals. We're trying to get to $500 per month. Pledges have slowed down quite a lot recently. I think a lot of people got in there. So if you do enjoy the podcast and you would like to see it keep being a thing, if you could chuck a couple of dollars our way, that would be amazing. That way we get to stay in your ears because it's not free to do this podcast. We have to pay someone to edit it and produce it and we don't get paid to do it. Um, so if you like it sponsor us that would be lovely thanks guys and finally do jump into the facebook group and share your thoughts about this show uh, this week's show i would love to know what boundary hill you are willing to die on Um, so yeah look forward to seeing you in there Thank you so much for listening to Straight and Curly. This week's show notes and links will be available at straightandcurly.com. 
And if you have any questions or weird self-improvement hacks you want us to trial, you can tweet us at Kelly Exeter or at Smaggle, or you can email us at hello at straightandcurly.com. Yeah.